What is up you guys? Welcome back to another episode of Fingers Crossed. We are so excited to be with you again for another Tuesday or whatever day you're listening to this. But it should be Tuesday because that's when we upload them. So subscribe if you're not. Anyway. Wow, you're starting off early with those shameless plugs. I know. We can keep going. We got social media to run through. We got YouTube channels. Anyway, you don't want to hear Give us five stars like your favorite Uber driver. (laughs) We've been over this many times. We are your hosts. My name is Christy. And my name is Sierra. Hey guys. And we're just going to get started. We got a fun one in store for you. We're both really excited to talk about this topic. But first, our lemons of the week. This is also rare. We would insert the lemon jingle if we had one, but we still got to work on that. Did we come up with one at all? (laughs) No, I don't. Like, what does a lemon sound like is the thing. Like a weird squeezy sound. I don't like that. No, no. That's a no for me. I think a lemon would be like a... Or like a... Oh, that was cute. You should be a Foley artist. Thanks. We'll work on that. Anyway, my lemon this week is um, kind of an annoying adult thing that just like you stumble on and it just kind of makes you angry that you're an adult. But basically, I came back to New York about a month ago and then I, I take this asthma medicine every day, blah, blah, blah. And I was getting it filled when I was there in Oregon. And then I called to have it transferred here and they wouldn't apply my coupon that I had before. My insurance sucks. So I had to pay the full ticket price for it without a copay. It was like a a few hundred dollars for something that I need every month. So that's my lemon. Yeah. I remember that happened in college, but I've had problems with this like back and forth for so many years. (laughs) We both have our qualms about the ins and outs of medical insurance. But yes, um, that is my lemon. But usually, no, but when I feel it, usually like the coupon that Costco has, like magically will get it down to like a $25 copay. But then sometimes like something doesn't add up and I tried talking on the phone and it was just like this whole runaround I was like whatever just whatever so um it's just one of those months where I had to pay the full price but the lemon of that well that's the lemon the lemonade of that is I have medicine and access to it whether the barriers are annoying or not so you know hopefully next month we will figure it out you know what's a crazy thought is that for the cost of flights right now you could have flown to Oregon bought new medication with your coupon, and flown back and saved money. Except then the risk of flying multiple well, times I understand, but day. it's the same reason why people with um, who get insulin in Mexico just drive across the border because you can yeah. get the same insulin for a fraction of the price. So that makes me angry because that shouldn't be happening, not just because you're an adult, but because it's all a scam and people prey on those who are in need of medical assistance, and it's really wrong. Yeah, but... That is the world. And we will hopefully be in a better place with it one day. But for now, I'm paying extra money for my meds. Anyway, what's your lemon this week? Okay, well, my lemon is really sad. I'm going to try not to cry because I really couldn't make it about anything else. But, um, mm. ah, okay, trying. Buddy. It's okay. Sad. Um, on Monday, we're going to have to put down my family cat of almost 17 years. Lemur. <sighs> it's really sad. He's the sweetest cat. Yeah. Okay. I'm crying. It's okay. It, Everyone really. Yeah, I mean, to how this. could you not it's if not it's a family easy. pet? But I, we got Elmer when I was. Elmer's a big, like a Norwegian forest Maine Coon kind of cat. He's like a big, fluffy cat. He was like at his heaviest. I think he was like seventeen pounds. He was like a big boy. <laughs> He's a force. He was a to force be to be reckoned with. <laughs> and we adopted him from the Humane Society in Portland, Oregon, when I was nine, I think. We got him like five days before Christmas, and he was like our Christmas present to my brother and I, and. He has been in our family ever since, since Oregon, going to high school, uh, going to college in Chapman, and then moving, when my parents moved from Portland down to Las Vegas, he caravanned down with us. So he's been through 
a lot. Um, but he has like stage four kidney failure and there's just nothing we can do anymore. Um, it's very sad. I've met Elmer a couple times and he is an adorable, lovable cat. And I understand that it's very hard to say goodbye, but thank you. I appreciate it. You know, it's something like every pet owner has to go through and it never gets any easier, but, um, you know, I feel totally confident that my family has given him the best life a cat could have ever had. And that he's, uh, you know, especially his last year with us because my parents moved to Vegas about a year ago and in Vegas, Elmer's been an indoor cat his whole life because we lived in like Portland in like kind of like a suburb where there was coyotes and, you know, wild deer and like lots of hawks and wilderness and, uh, the, uh, where they live now is like a desert suburban area, but the, like the house they moved to has like a a rabbit fence that goes all the way around the yard just to keep wild really? rabbits out. And because of that, it's like essentially for an old cat that can't jump very well, it's cat proof. So in the <laughs> last year of his life, he's been able to go outside and like we let him go outside Aww. and he just stays in the yard. He doesn't climb trees, but he like will chase lizards and run around and like lie in the sun and flop over. And he's never been Be able free. to. Yeah, exactly. And he was never <laughs> able to do that before where we lived because of safety. So I, I feel like for his kitty retirement, he had a very last, uh, last year so anyway i can't talk about it anymore i'm just gonna keep crying but um the lemonade from it is like you just said like there's no lemonade to having to put down your beloved pet but the lemonade is that he will be out of pain which is really important yeah so uh, anyway life sometimes has sad things and it's part of life looking forward to next week we are going to talk about what our fingers crossed for next week is so for me you guys are probably going to get mad because I'm keeping it pretty vague, but I oh, made we a love vague somewhat, surprises. yeah, we love the uh, guessing and such. I made a somewhat impulsive, somewhat last minute choice that might surprise people, but we'll see. I'll just leave it at this. I hope it goes well. And you guys will find out if you tune in next week what I'm talking about. I'm sure we'll talk about it then. But for now, it is still under wraps, so... You guys love guessing games on Christy's Instagram stories. We did it literally two weeks ago, so I can't wait to do it one more time. Dude, I can't believe it. No, it's been like a month because we announced really? our podcast. Actually, wait, we have four episodes up. We announced it July 19th. So I guess when this so is I suppose, up, yeah, a month. Yeah, when this is up, it'll be about one a month. month. Happy one month podcast anniversary. <laughs> wow, should I get you a gift? This is like the what longest I've ever committed to anything, you guys. <laughs> So my fingers crossed for next week is that our best friend Sophie is turning 25. She's joining the 25 club. Me and Christy already joined. The club sucks. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But we can rent cars for cheaper. So who's laughing now? And we can have a, we can invite, if, what does it say? Misery loves company. So if the club sucks, (laughs) we'll just rope all of our other friends in to join it. And you know, my boyfriend Jason will be joining the 25 club as well in October. He is younger than me. So once October rolls around, we will have... Christy, myself, Sophie, and Jason all in the 25th. Well, Marissa clubs, will be so. in 26th. Yeah, point. she'll have or, no, no, no. She's skate. in November. So she's got one month in the so 25 we'll, Yeah, club she'll be in the 25 us. club with us for a while, too. If you're also in the 25 club, shout out to you because yeah, honestly, it's a lot of crises happening one I after another. I was talking actually to my friend Orly, who just turned 24. I was talking to her about this, and she was like, 24 sounds great. And I was like, that's how I felt, too. And I realized we had this conversation with her that I just like even numbered ages better like 24 I love 26 I think sounds great like I am honestly fine to turn 26 even though that's like a year from now for me but 25 just something about the the 
odd number. I don't know. Doesn't sit right with me. From now, for the next couple years, like, I think it's smooth sailing. I've come to terms with it. After 24, I came to terms with the mid-20s, and now I'm chilling. But again, I'm excited to be 26 rather than 25. Well, that's so awesome. I'm really, really happy for you. And I think that I would have that same mentality if I didn't work in the entertainment industry. Because being in the entertainment industry, it just, the older you get, I just feel like there's so much that the outside influences just grind you down. And this goes back to last week's episode about, like, that your appearance is not your only sense of value, but it is really hard in the entertainment industry sometimes when everyone is just like, oh my gosh, well, you look too old, or you're this, or your wrinkles, or your your knees don't work anymore because yeah. you're getting arthritis at age 26. My gray hair, like, I honestly did it for the industry because I need to be well, able that's to hard work. because it's, that's different when it, it involves your work where it's, like, there's a right. stake in your appearance for your work. Like, that is a different plane. And field, I honestly so hate tough. it. Like, it's one of the reasons I have had qualms with working as right. an actress is that so much of your value is placed on how you look and that I have literally been doing anti-aging. I said anti-raging. God, <laughs> I need anti-raging skincare so that I calm down. Um, anti-aging skincare since I was literally 20 years old when I hadn't even graduated college because I was wow. like, my career depends on it. Retinol, yeah, save crazy. me. Also unrelated, but I just thought about how quarantine is literally anti-raging. <laughs> Yeah, we're excited for Sophie to join our club, basically. Wait, you know what I just realized is this is going to go up on Sophie's birthday. The 18th. Oh my god, wait, Happy yes. birthday! If you're listening to this and feel inclined, go to Sophie T. Jackson, that our friend Sophie's Instagram, and comment, happy birthday. And Woo. use your favorite emoji. And tell us, you can say you came from the podcast. Because she deserves all the love. And yes. on that note, let's transition to our main topic. Today we are talking about something that we are super excited about and super fun. So have a cup of coffee, have a cup of wine, and let's get down to the nitty gritty. Maybe not at the same time, but yeah, let's go. <laughs> or do, if it's that kind of Tuesday. I mean, it is a birthday, so turn up. <laughs> Before we get into the main topic of this episode, I guess this is kind of related, actually. Because what says more about you than your Urban Dictionary name? But we're going to do Welcome something fun. Welcome to Urban Dictionary. <laughs> Thank you, Zira. Um, we are going to read our Urban Dictionary definitions of our names, each of us. I told Sierra not to look at it as she opened it because I want it to be a it's surprise. Really, it's really hard not to read it because you so know funny. that whoever wrote this has the name yeah. of, like, your name. When they were 13, like, they wrote a it. A little bit shy, but, like, truly all the boys love her. <laughs> like, God. And then the, okay, well, we'll read it and then we'll um, do all the stereotypes of them. But I got this idea because I got a DM or on our podcast Instagram, we got a DM with just some ideas or suggestions about the podcast. And someone was saying that they love listening to Claudia and Phineas's podcast because it's just very conversational. And I had never listened before. So I was like, okay, I'll give it a shot. And the first one I listened to, the first thing they did was read their Urban Dictionary names. And I thought that was the funniest thing in the world. So all credit to them. Um, go listen to their podcast. I think it's called We Bought a House or Built a House or something thing but great stuff okay so we are going to do this do you want to go first Sierra sure you know if nothing if we never knew who we were from Enneagrams uh Myers-Briggs love languages if Zodiac. we didn't know who we are reading this will help me discover who I am this and the podcast after we read these because that's all you need to know and with that note here we go so I just Googled my name in Urban Dictionary, and then at the top, there's a, a bunch of them that people write, but there's the top definition. So here's my top definition of my name, Sierra. A girl who has good vibes. She thinks she's super ugly, but is actually really pretty. 
Okay. She could sometimes have really bad depression, but hide it really well. Oh. They have, like, a past that, like, no one really knows. They have really good taste in fashion, but have a different style than most. Most people like her. If guys like her, they'll keep it a secret and reject that they do. <laughs> this girl has been through some shit. She Whoever has. wrote this. She also doesn't think she can sing, but people tell her otherwise. She stands up for what she believes in and defends people. They have a smile that lights up the room and really pretty eyes. She doesn't date a lot, and if she likes you, it's obvious. She can get made fun of sometimes if she has a problem she isn't going to tell anyone. At parties, she's the life of it. <laughs> Who <laughs> of writes it. this? This is a really she loves oh, okay. to dance. And then the example is guy one. Damn, who's that dancing over there? Guy two, IDK, but I bet it's a Sierra. Guy one, you're probably right. I mean, look at her. Oh my god, that's the best part, I think, is the, like, use it in a sentence examples. They're always so funny. It's always, like, random person A. Wow, who's that beautiful, amazing, perfect person that I never thought could exist beyond my wildest dreams? And then this person B, oh yeah, that's a, that's a Molly. And then they're like, yeah. oh yeah, Molly. Molly, we love her. <laughs> okay, top definition of Christy. The capital M, most beautiful girl in the world. She has a oh, perfect nice. body and perfect personality. She has no faith in herself but looks like an angel. She helps everyone and is always willing to lend a hand. That's the whole definition. Yours had, like, a whole different scenarios you'd find Sierra Oh, in. yeah, mine was, like, a whole but we have personal to get to essay the, for college. Yeah, <laughs> we had to get to the example. Girl A, wow, look at that beautiful girl helping those people. Girl B, yeah, that's Christy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, you know that's when people Christy. spell yeah, like, Y-E-A, like, the middle school way to spell yeah? You have yeah. to read it like, yeah. Yeah. I just think of Ariana Grande going, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, that's Christy. Okay, wait, can I read this one really quick? It's another short one, number two definition. Oh, <laughs> I just please. came across this. Christy Go is a person which has a bubbly personality and is usually short. And when I say short, I mean really short. She's a good friend and is very friendly and funny. Overall, she's a great person. Person. This is the example. Ha ha, that girl is really funny. <laughs> Me. Yeah, ha ha, that is Christy. <laughs> Zero upvotes and zero downvotes written in 2019. <laughs> oh my god. Here's one that was written by a guy. Um, and the example is, I miss my ex, Sierra. She was the oh, keeper. <laughs> I wonder what it would be if you looked up Christina. Okay. The Oh my god. This one is actually written by someone with like coherent words in 2015. I just looked up Christina just to see how many upvotes it would have. 2000. Uh -huh. But I'll just read you the first line to contrast to the rest of the Urban Dictionary definitions. Christina is a name that reads elegantly from the lips. Beautiful in sound, it is associated with beauty in the soul and physique. <laughs> oh my god. Like, what? <laughs> that is not Urban Dictionary, that's like medieval beauty? dictionary, sir. <laughs> Do you know that sounds like Paula wrote it? It sounds like in her <laughs> yeah. words. When you befriend uh. Christina, you just know that you've made a true friend for life. Okay, so we're very excited for our main topic, which is discussing all the different types of personality types, like Enneagrams, Myers-Briggs, um, love languages, and kind of a few different stories and scenarios and things that go along with that. But Christy and I have always been so into personality types, and I feel like we're not alone, because anytime I bring up, like, personality types with people, like, oh, what's your Myers-Briggs? Or do you know what your Hogwarts house is? Because, I don't know, people just get really <laughs> excited about it, because I feel like it... You know what it is? People are obsessed with themselves, and people love any excuse to talk about themselves. Like, genuinely, that's it. I think there is a version of that, yes, but I think 
more in depth than people love talking about themselves. People love understanding themselves. And I think yeah. it's very and validating labeling. to feel like, for example, with even the first, I think, personality type thing I did was the Hogwarts house thing because I did it when I was young and reading Harry Potter, you know, mm-hmm. like elementary school. And I remember, and I, I've done oh, it throughout wow. the years to like, you know, because obviously it changes as you get older and your values change. But I remember taking it and being like, oh, well, this makes so much sense. Like, this would be my group of like-minded people. I'm not alone. Like, people share yeah, these values. Yeah, you like val- to feel like you're a part of something. Exactly. And you feel like, oh, maybe it's a quirk of mine that I've never really understood. Why do I get panicky when the dishes aren't done, for example? Like, mm-hmm. you know, you understand, oh, well, in your psychoanalysis, it's because you have a fear of failure that's defined by achievement. And you're like, that makes yeah. perfect sense. Oh, it's my It's like gosh. a validation of sorts of, like, why you react to certain things. Exactly. Like, what your brain immediately, like, goes to. Yeah. I was pulling up some polls. We did some polls on our Instagram at Fingers Crossed Pod, and you can go follow Shameless us. Shameless plug. In the future of polls and such. And I was looking up a few articles and I found one. It's from medium.com and I think it's just like a blog post, but it's called Why Are We So Obsessed with Personality Types? And I thought that was the perfect way to kick off this whole conversation because it's so true. I think, you know, a lot of people can kind of like roll their eyes at them and some people are like, oh, that doesn't mean anything. There's no science, blah, blah, blah. But it's mostly just for fun, at least in our perspective. And it's interesting just to ask why you know, why it is such a thing, like, especially buzzwords among millennials, like, oh, what's your, like, type, blah, blah, blah. Um, So this article talks about how they're, like, a means of self-definition, and the most common test is Myers-Briggs, it says, but I kind of feel like Enneagram is more popular now. I don't know. Um, I think what's most popular is BuzzFeed's What Kind of Cheese Wheel Are You? Because those are the kind that I... Based on your favorite episode of Keeping Up With The Kardashians. (laughs) I see those circulating. Like, my friends will share things and they'll be like, oh, what type of um, highlighter color are you and what does it mean? And I'm like... Well, I'm not doing but anything. Let me those. find out. I'm a blue highlighter. You know, it's... I felt like that was in college to procrastinate writing a paper. That's what you would do. We should write one. We should write one that's like... We really should. What type... What your favorite 10 seconds of fingers crossed says about your personality. Oh my God, um, yes. Dr. Phil is still undervaluing me. <laughs> okay, so this, our, this author of the article says... I just want to understand my personality and hack myself into becoming a better person, which I think is a really interesting take on it because it is kind of like a a way to get ahead of your weaknesses or flaws and try and like, you know, kind of combat them before they can cause you problems. People are like want to hack into themselves and like understand what you were saying, um, which is really interesting. But also she says, are they just an internet phenomena or is it actually meaningful? Because a lot of companies and professional settings will implement them into their work scenarios, I guess. I've never experienced that, but I've heard that, like, companies use that as team building or whatever, Mm -hmm. which is interesting. Um, But yeah, she says, now we seem to use personality types as a way to find out who we can be most compatible with or how we can be most compatible with the people around us, which I think is so true because the first thing I do when I, like, start talking to a guy, I'm immediately like, okay, what's your personality type? So I can look up if we're compatible because I think subconsciously we all want shortcuts in life and we all want to have easy ways to just like, even if you don't have to explore every single scenario and phenomenon and multifaceted aspect of this person firsthand, you can read theoretically based on their personality type, how they would react to this. And then you can like 
you know, it feels more secure in knowing them when in reality, like just because they're typed as one of 16 doesn't mean they're actually like that in every aspect. So it can be problematic if you rely on it too much. But I love learning about compatibility with people through personality types. And I'm especially uh, fond of the Myers-Briggs personality types. So that's where I'm coming from with it. And I just think it's so, even if you obviously take it with a grain of salt and it's not exact science and no one is one of 16 exact types, but I think it's just so much fun to learn about. And it tells you a lot about people. And I think, I mean, I can speak personally with my experience with my own boyfriend, Jason, because I... I've never been like a diehard believer in Zodiac and we're going to get into Zodiac towards the end of this podcast, but I like so identify as a Gemini. I think I'm like a Gemini through and through. And it's so funny because Christy's also a Gemini and her and I are very different, but yet the Gemini... But I also feel like I really, really represent a Gemini too. Yeah. And I think but that makes so much sense because the Gemini is the split personality. Like that is like the classic. <laughs> and so I feel like you are... I am the evil and you are the angel on the shoulders of the Gemini. <laughs> I mean, maybe, but I feel like when I described us to my mom, I'm like, I feel like we're like good cop, bad cop. And Christy's the bad cop and I'm the good cop. Um... <laughs> But, uh, but I think that's why we bonded so much initially is that we both had the same like enthusiasm and excitement and sense of adventure that is a Gemini trait. Yeah. That really like that's what made us such good friends. Like I think that's what we bonded on was like, you know, running out to go play Pokemon Go at 2 a.m. and make mojitos in our kitchen without thinking about the responsibilities we had. Absolutely. Kind of friendship. But you know what I feel like Which when I visualize you and I, I feel like we're like a Venn diagram. Like we are like each these circles that are very different but where we cross in the middle is like so connected and like hardcore (laughs) like what solidifies us together but then on the outside of the venn diagram we're very opposite so which i feel like does again correlate with the gemini but i digress about jason my boyfriend is that (laughs) i have always been told that like after a bunch of failed relationships and i blamed every time they failed on oh it was because he was a capricorn he was a taurus i hate the tourist (laughs) men that's a joke anyway um but I was like, I need to find a Libra or an Aquarius, like no ifs, ands, or buts, because those are the... So you put blinders on. Well, no, I didn't put blinders on, but I was always just like, oh, this guy's really cute. Like, if I find out he's a Libra or an Aquarius, I'm going to like actually move forward and try and pursue it. Otherwise, I'm just going to be like, eh, this is a fling, like whatever. Um, Oh my God. But then I found out Jason was a Libra and I was like, oh my God, it's perfect. It's meant to be. And then... That's like confirmation bias though. It is. But then, here's the catch... I found out he oh, was God. an ENTJ. And oh yeah, that's Myers Briggs. And that's Myers Briggs. And I'm an ENFJ and we'll get into that. But I was like, "Oh no, he's an ENTJ. This is ruined. This will never work. <laughs> How could he be a Libra and an ENTJ because I have found in th- You're like, he must have done something wrong in the test. I don't know, but I was like, <laughs> I found out that like I don't know because I have um a few friends who are ENTJs and I love them to death, but our personalities have notoriously clashed and our values have clashed about a lot of things. And so I thought that him being an ENTJ was a recipe for disaster, but I'm like, but he's also a Libra. And so he has all these personality traits that are so compatible with me. And anyway, I'll get into what that means later. But I just thought that was so funny that like, I was like, oh, Gemini, Libra, we're going to be perfect. But then I was like, oh, well, ENFJ, ENTJ, like there's such a gray area of these different tests but and what they mean. But that just goes to show that no two ENTJs are the same. Exactly. Like, just because you're the same type. And within that, each of those letters broken down, like, there's varying degrees of them. So, like, one ENTJ 
who's, you know, they're both thinkers, essentially, but one of them is like 95% thinking and one of them is 55% and they still prefer thinking over feeling. Yeah. But that 45% gap or whatever the math is that I just did improperly is a big difference in how you make decisions and stuff. So um, it is very true that there's a lot of variation between them and we're not trying to like put people into baskets and like label them 100% as like always this way if they're that type. Um, but we're just, we're, we're speaking very generally in this podcast yeah. today. So take it with a grain of salt. And if you are any of these personality types that we're like attributing, you know, traits to it's your, your own person and like, we don't know you. So anyway, we're going to start out with Myers-Briggs. So that was just a little a snippet of the article that I wanted to bring up. Just, I thought it was interesting how she posed it is like trying to hack into yourself and trying to find your place in the world kind mm-hmm. of in finding those people that are like your people because you see them as compatible with your type and all this. Okay, so just briefly, like like we said, we're not scientists. We are not super well-versed. I scored the worst on the science portion of the ACT, so I am not licensed to be giving this talk right now. Yes, because the ACT is the only licensing you need to be talking about Myers-Briggs. 100%. Um, okay, so we're just giving like very superficial definitions and you can read way more into it on your own and we would totally stress that. But so just a brief overview if you've never heard of this. The first letter you can be is E or I, extrovert or introvert, which is where you get your energy from. If you're an extrovert, you get your energy from other people, like Sierra and I. Or if you're an introvert, you get it from being alone and like recharge on your own. And then it's N or S, which is intuitive or sensor. So intuitives, which we both are again, is prefer to focus on possibilities in the big picture. You easily see patterns, innovation, and seek creative solutions to problems. Whereas sensors are more realistic people who like to focus on the facts and the details and apply common sense and past experience to come up with practical solutions to problems. So that's a little bit more tricky, especially if you don't have much experience like reading into this. Um, But yeah, it's kind of like intuitives are more abstract thinkers and sensors are more like problem solving. You know, what can I do with my hands right now? What's on the page right now in front of me? Not like visualizing a picture you can't see. Yeah. Um, And then the next two letters. So this is where R's diverge. So it's T or F, which is thinker or feeler. So thinkers, which I am, is you tend to make decisions using logical analysis, objectively weigh pros and cons, and value honesty, consistency, and fairness. While feelers tend to be sensitive and cooperative and decide based on their own personal values and how others will be affected by their actions. So thinkers are logic-based and feelers are people-based in their decisions mostly. So it's kind of like how you make decisions Mm -hmm. and then the last letter is j or p so it's judger or perceiver so judgers judger judgers which is sierra they tend to be organized and prepared like to make and stick to plans and are comfortable following most rules and then perceivers which is me prefer to keep their options open like to be able to act spontaneously and like to be flexible with making plans so i'm very much a perceiver i feel like you're a judger to an extent but i don't think you're like super hardcore all the way on the other side no i and I, i think that I definitely have a spontaneous side to me because I think that, again, is one of the reasons why you and I are, like, such good friends is because Mm -hmm. we don't have to think through everything we do. But I think a lot of that comes to, like, my sense of fun and friendship and silliness, which I feel like is such Mm -hmm. a huge part of my personality. But when it comes to my lifestyle choices and, like, planning my future and, like, the logic of that, I feel like I'm very much Jay with, like, planning and organizing and liking things to be set in stone and... um, you know, if I if I, I it's going to be up in the air, knowing that it's going to be up in the air instead of assuming it's going to be up in the air. But again, everyone is 
not 100% of either thing. Like, everyone's on a sliding scale. So I think that just goes to show, like, I am definitely much more of a perceiver, but I have judger qualities. Like, when it comes to work and when I was in school, like, I had a planner and I was organized and I was on top of things and I didn't, like, let things just go by the wayside. But with my personal life and, like, traveling, I like to leave it up in the air. I like to leave it for the possibilities and, you know, spontaneous things. So like you said, I think in different aspects of your life, it definitely manifests differently. So yeah, like I said, I'm an ENTP and Sierra, you, wait, you said yours, right? Yes, I am an ENFJ. And the first time I took the Myers-Briggs test and I was reading about, and I'm sure many people have had this reaction, but I was reading like the definition of ENFJ and your strengths and weaknesses and what you'd be good at, you know, what you struggle with. I like got emotional. I like almost got like teary eyed because I felt like somebody had seen my soul. I was like, I identify with this through and through. This understands me. It was like having therapy in a test. All of a sudden, somebody was like telling me, this is what you are. This is why you react this way. When you get upset about X, Y, Z, this is why. And I was like, you feel seen. I felt so seen. I felt like someone had just taken mm-hmm. their little kaleidoscope into my soul and been like, doot, 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 doot. this is you. And then I yeah. was like, okay. I felt similarly, but also at the same time, I had like a weird situation where when I first took the test early in college, actually, I think it was my sophomore year. Um, if you listen to last week's episode, I kind of talked about how I was going through a really hard time at that time. And I really like wasn't myself. And so that's when it comes into not necessarily being the best person to type yourself. Yeah. Because I initially got it as INTP. And at the time I was like, oh yeah, that's totally me. And the difference is that INTP is really like logic and science and patterns and knowledge and learning on their own. And they're really good at like information patterns and like coding and that kind of thing and I was like oh yeah like that's totally me and at the time what I didn't realize is that I wasn't actually introverted it was that I was just really insecure and having a lot of struggles with myself and like not wanting to be around people not because I didn't like being around people but because I just felt so insecure about myself and so with that like me taking those tests and you know, answering those questions at the time, my perception of that was kind of skewed. And so I took it and I was like, oh yeah, like I think I'm an INTP for sure. And then I would read things about ENTPs and I was like, wow, I wish I was extroverted. Like I wish that was me. And I, it was like this weird in-between thing. And then I kind of forgot about it for a couple years. And then after I graduated and I got into it again and I, you know, had gone through this whole thing and felt a lot more like myself and had like come into my own a little bit more. Yeah. I took it again and I was an ENTP and then reading more about it, it just made so much more sense because I love learning. I love, you know, knowledge and picking apart different sides of arguments and everything. But the key difference is like, I don't love, you know, logic and numbers on my own. Like I like understanding people and I think that's kind of the difference with ENTP and INTP. Um, Again, very much simplifying here, but that is what makes a lot of sense to me. So I definitely identify as an ENTP. I was just going to say, if you go on 16 personalities, and I know this is not the end-all be-all Myers-Briggs test, but they have like a little character that's the name of each of these different personalities of the 16 types. And for your old one, INTP, the character is the logician, like the person obsessed with logic. And the one for ENTP is the debater. And just between those two, I mean, it's obvious to me which one fits you better. (laughs) Yeah, true. The little character says a lot. 
Okay, so this website, I'm on verywellmind.com if anyone wants to follow along. It says ENTPs are immensely curious and focused on understanding the world around them. They are constantly absorbing new information and ideas and quickly arriving at conclusions. They're able to understand things quite quickly. So it says one common myth is that they love to argue simply for the sake of arguing. And while they are willing to play devil's advocate at times, they enjoy debates as a way of exploring a topic, learning what other people believe, and helping others to see the other side of the story. So I think that's really well, that key. That sounds like, like you in a nutshell, yeah. Yeah, like it's not that I love arguing because I love like stirring shit up and making people yell at each other. <laughs> that's not well. the case. But it's just I think that's the best way to learn is to like come at something from all sides and get people to really, really back up what they're saying to see if it's like actually what they believe and if it's you know sound so anyway so just really quick the strengths and weaknesses strengths are innovative creative great conversationalist enjoys debating and values knowledge that's literally what i just entirely read and then yep. the weaknesses are can be argumentative dislikes routines and schedules absolutely me does not like to be controlled so sierra don't knows tell me what phrase. to do yeah that's literally my catchphrase and the last two are unfocused and insensitive which i also very much identify no. with both of those <laughs> I think what's key about compatibility is having two numbers or two letters that are the same and two that are different because then you have like complementary personalities with someone, but you still have commonalities too, especially N and S. Most people in my life are Ns and it's really hard, especially in relationships. Actually, my parents are different. My mom's an N and my dad's an S, but like it's a lot harder to like be on the same page with those two. Um, so that's a crucial one and then having one other in common. But anyways, what I'm saying is as best friends, me and Sierra have two in common and two that are different. So Sierra, would you like to read a little bit about the ENFJ? Sure. Yes. Um, my ENFJ that was the end all be all to my personality. Um, <laughs> my little character is called the protagonist, which she I really loves like. that shit. <laughs> I do. I think like, it's yes, like, yes, I am the protagonist of this world. I'm so glad you all finally recognize it. <laughs> Okay, well, that's not what I meant. I'm not the protagonist of everyone's story, but I am the protagonist of my story. But we all and I, Of our own story? Yeah. I, yes, that's true, but I feel like it's a character that is very much... The protagonist in a story is a go-getter. It's somebody that, like, goes for the, the main... And will die for their values. Cheese, whatever. Um, so this is the breakdown of this one. It says, a person... With the extroverted, intuitive, feeling, and judging personality traits, a.k.a. ENFJ, these warm, forthright types love helping others, and they tend to have very strong ideas and values. They back their perspective with the creative energy to achieve their goals. True. Um, I feel like I'm not trying to, like, talk myself up here and be like, I'm amazing. I'm literally just reading the words on the page. Mm -hmm. um, protagonists are natural-born leaders full of passion and charisma, forming around 2% of the population. Really? That's, like, nothing. Yeah, mine's, like, three. Um, they are oftentimes our politicians, our coaches, and our teachers, reaching out, inspiring others to achieve and to do good in the world. With a natural confidence that begets influences, protagonists take a great deal of pride in, and joy in guiding others to work together and improve themselves and improve their community. Firm believers in the people. I would say that's very true. Um, I want to find the the flaws. Um, I think Obama is an ENFJ. I could be wrong, but... Meanwhile, mine is the Joker, is the famous ENTP. <laughs> That's hilarious. And Walt Disney. The protagonist or ENFJ weaknesses. Overly idealistic, too selfless, too sensitive, fluctuating self-esteem, and struggle to make tough decisions. And I feel like those are very accurate as well. Yeah. Um, I definitely am very sensitive, and I sometimes get... I take things that I don't need to take personally, very personally. Um, 
Yeah. I mean, I don't want to say I'm too selfless, but I have in the past. I'm getting much better at this now, like, taking on too much. I have a very hard time saying no to people because I feel like I always need to help people. And it ends up being that thing where you stretch yourself so thin that, like, you do a bad job helping everyone around you. Right. Um, and overly idealistic, I would agree that I sometimes don't look at things. I look at things how I want them to be instead mm-hmm. of how they actually are. And that sometimes doesn't lead me on the most accurate path to success so I would agree do you have anything on your site that you want to read about it that's different than what I said um the only difference is there's a weakness on here that says approval seeking which I think could be interesting like trying to rely on others I'll get into that with my uh, Enneagram because that's like one of the big things that that one told me as well is and I think that goes along with like wanting to like inspire your community and do well for others as that because that you that matters so much to you that like when you have negative feedback or constructed feedback from your community or like criticism like you take it so hard before we get into uh or what were you going to say about ends do you want to say that oh i was just going to say um the difference like the reason why ours are very particularly not common or rare is that ends are only 25 percent of the population and s's are 75 so when you're an n you're already in the minority and then different stacked letters on top of that can make them even more rare i think the most rare is infj um, that's what my mom but yeah, is. Yeah, like ours. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, that's actually one of my most compatible ones, which is why. You love Mama Green? <laughs> yeah. And I was going to say, and why there's no one compatible with me in the world. <laughs> um, okay, Plot so twist, I... you're meant to be with my mother. That's it. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> so Hi, Mom. ENTP's I know you're natural partner. <laughs> Hi, Mom agreed. ENTP's natural partner is the INFJ or INTJ. But also, I think ENFJ on other sites is like super compatible. Anyway, so that's kind of like the gist of Myers-Briggs and R-types, if that gives you guys a little bit of context. But um, I was going to bring this up later because we did polls on our Instagram, like I said. But one of the polls that I found so interesting is that of our listeners that took the poll on Instagram, the vast, vast majority, like way more than the other ones, were NFs, like you, Sierra. And like Interesting. Way far behind was like NT was the next one, I think, which is what I am. Okay, so moving on to the next category of personality tests is the Enneagram, which is like a big deal. I feel like it blew up, especially in the last couple years. Um, I don't know exactly the whole entire backstory of this one, but it's just nine different numbers that kind of indicate something about your motivations. So the way I saw this one, again, I took it for the first time when I was dating that guy who like told me it was the best one in existence. And I took it and found out that I was a seven. And I just think this is so interesting because I feel like it's such a small sliver of who you are versus Myers-Briggs tells you like about your decision making, about how you interact with people, about all of these things. And I feel like the Enneagram is a much smaller snippet that doesn't necessarily explain everything. Mm -hmm. What do you think? I don't know. I thought it was really interesting and it helped explain like especially when I learned like the wings and like how you can have be like a combination of two of these different categories. I feel like this one felt even more like therapy than the Myers-Briggs one did because I felt like this one was, it really broke down like some of your subconscious habits or feelings and why you feel those way. It's less forgiving. It is less forgiving. It's more like, you need to freaking work on this. And, it, and it, pretty, it told me like, for example, I'll read mine as a, my Enneagram is a three wing two. And I'm going to, the at the very top, it tells you like, so my name is the Enchanter for a three wing two. I don't know. Weird. But it said don't put a spell on me. the basic fear and the basic desire. And that's at the very top. And already that's like digging in like your desire at your core and your fear at your core. And you're like, okay. Wait, I've heard that threes are the achiever. Not the enchanter. Well, it, maybe the no, it's wing saying is the, like adding Yeah, it's saying thing. when you combine a three oh, okay. with a two, 
that combination makes you the enchanter. But a three by itself is the achiever and a two by itself is the helper. So it's like achiever helpers are an enchanter, I guess. So it said my basic fear, a three wing two basic fear is Enneagram three wing twos are afraid of failing and being unworthy of love. They avoid this by setting and accomplishing goals in order to feel successful and worthy. All right, right there. I'm like, All right, call me out. Why don't you? Thanks very much. And then for basic desire, it says their basic desire is to be admired and accepted. They seek value through accomplishment, which may push them deeper into their work. And already that there saying they seek value through accomplishment, like me thinking of times when I've like, you know, oh, if I don't finish this task by this time, like I'm a failure and my friends and family will hate me forever. Like, is that a logical reasoning? No, but like it still is part of my psyche. And then it says, enchanters tend to adjust their persona to their audience in order to feel as though they are easily liked, which may lead to playing a character rather than being themselves. Especially, like, when you're immature, those play out more. Like, those weaknesses. Yeah. So mine, Enneagram 7, it says, just a brief description, they're extroverted, optimistic, versatile, and spontaneous, playful, high-spirited, but practical. They also misapply their many talents, becoming overextended, scattered, undisciplined. They constantly seek new and exciting experiences, but can become distracted and exhausted by staying on the go. They typically have problems with impatience and impulsiveness. Yes. So it says, at their best, they focus on worthwhile goals being or becoming appreciative, joyous, and satisfied. So the basic fear is being deprived and being in pain so it's kind of like sevens are constantly just trying to get away from pain or like hard things and basic desire is to be satisfied and content to have their needs fulfilled which seems like the basic desire of everyone in the entire world Hmm. but i think the idea is like they just want to be happy and like ignore the hard things like it's it's kind of like a childlike thing of just always wanting to be doing new things and doing something exciting and you yeah. know, running away from problems, essentially. <laughs> I'm literally Peter Pan, so. Yeah. <laughs> Which does, is very true. <laughs> does yours come with, like, a list of uh, best or common jobs for people with your personality type? Because I found one for mine, and it, I don't know, it seems kind of What website are you on? Um, crystalnose.com. Okay, I'll look it up. Read yours, and I'll look um, it up. Common jobs for people with uh, three-wing two Enneagram types. Advertising consultant, entrepreneur, lawyer, event planner, surgeon, TV anchor, venture capitalist, pilot. At Pilot Pete. Are you a three-wing two? At <laughs> Pilot Pete. Okay, I'm looking at mine on the same website. So this one says the adventurer for my label. Oh, Did nice. I say that before? Or no, it's like the enthusiast or the adventurer, yeah. I mean, that makes um, sense. So this one says... Okay, yeah, so this is a little bit different. This says the basic desire is to feel stimulated, engaged, and satisfied, which makes sense. And basic fear is, like, being deprived of excitement. So literally just being bored is my most basic fear, (laughs) which is (laughs) very true. Common jobs for people with Enneagram 7 is artist, interior designer, travel agent, travel writer, bartender, tour guide, photographer, or publicist. They're all just jobs where you kind of make your own schedule and everything is different all the time. Yeah, Like, I feel, like, just, like, things... Which is the, like... In my perfect world, I mean, obviously, there's, like, certain things that I want to accomplish professionally and, like, in my field, but if all things aside, I would love to just be able to, like, travel and learn about different types of people and learn about different places in the world and teach about them for Mm -hmm. my entire life, just, like, traveling for life, which I think, like, encompasses that part of my personality type is the Enneagram, 
but I feel like it doesn't necessarily encompass like everything about me you know this goes back to again this goes back to again why the only person compatible for you in the world is my mother because my mom's job (laughs) a dream job when she was young was being a travel writer traveling the world writing about it like having um, a column or a blog or something and if you guys have ever watched fun for louis i mean there's probably a lot of people on youtube that like do this but fun for louis is literally like lives my dream life of just traveling around and doing all these cool things and like randomly skydiving off of things and all this and just like vlogging it and i'm like wow you really lived life okay well i'll just ask you this before moving on would you rather like if you were gonna take a test with like a guy you're seeing like and take it with them uh which would you rather them do to learn about them would you rather them do myers-briggs or would you rather them do enneagram what do you think oh, would give I would- you a hundred percent rather them do Myers-Briggs. Oh, yeah. That's just because I personally know so much more about it. So, I I am biased. I don't even remember my wings when I took this a couple years ago. Um, So, I, again, I'm not coming from the most educated perspective on this, but Myers-Briggs, like, I feel like can, because even just understanding if you're a thinker and someone else is a feeler explains so much more about you rather than, like, okay, I love to travel and hate pain. Sierra likes to achieve things. It doesn't, like, tell you that much about each other interacting. <laughs> Let's make stickers that say that. <laughs> I love to travel and hate pain. That's going to be our new slogan for our merch. Literally 2020. Can't travel and I'm in a lot of pain. So I'm it's like your worst year ever and I'm achieving almost nothing. So this is just the oh, worst year ever. Um, oh, that's too funny. But again, I just feel like there's not enough nuances in Enneagram as there are in Myers-Briggs that like explain your overlap with people. I could read for hours like the relationships between ENTPs and INFJs and like read all the different intricacies because there's just so many facets but I feel like Enneagram it's like okay your motivation I don't know you know what I'm saying like there's just not many nuances Mm -hmm. but there could be that I just don't know about so don't come for me but (laughs) I should read more about it. No, I, uh, anyway, I, I, actually, oh, I made a guy do this on, I made Jason do it. Like, um, I don't know, at some point in our relationship and that's mm-hmm. when the whole ENT, ENTJ thing came up and I was like, Oh my God, he's an ENTJ. Oh no. <laughs> uh, but I made a guy take this test with me like three years ago when I was dating him and I like was sitting next to him on the couch and I was pretending I wasn't looking. I was like pretending to be on my phone. And I like secretly was looking over his shoulder as he took it because I wasn't. He was probably well aware. Well, I, I'm sure. I'm not as slick as I think I am. I didn't just want to know his letters and his type. I wanted to know how he answered the questions. And I remember oh there God, was, Sierra. well, there was one question in specific that I feel like, again, here I go again with my values no, of all. I remember when we made Marissa take it, our roommate in college, and you judged her so hard for one of the questions because she was like reading them out loud and you were like putting your nose over her shoulder like, so do you think your kids should be, um, smart and not nice (laughs) well i was actually just gonna bring up that question because it's like one of the ones that i don't know stuck out to me the most and if you take this test you'll learn you'll see this question but the question is would you rather your children grow up to be smart or kind and for me that is an obvious answer like kindness a hundred percent like i non-negotiable obviously i hope my children will be both the level will be high. The level will be said that they are both smart and kind. But if I had to choose, I would rather than be kind in an instant. And I remember when this guy was taking this test, I saw that question come up and I was like laser focused in. So I'm like, breaking point, breaking point, breaking point. What's he going to pick? And he put it on kind. And I was like, whoo! Anyway, so 
I'm not again I'm trying to not be judgmental but I I have seen people pick the opposite and it was always like how could you choose that everybody's different so yeah, yeah true that, that was the Myers-Briggs right not anywhere. it was yes okay. that's Myers-Briggs makes sense um, the guy ended up being an EN ENFP oh that's like what Sophie is and my mom yeah it's like Sophie, that's a really yeah. good one it's close to me but like more of a feeler like better with people <laughs> it's interesting to see how these interact with their zodiac because it's like we have super different personality types which i feel like really does explain things from a psychological perspective but then we also have a lot of similar like zodiac things that is explained by the day we were born kind of thing so it's just it just it it shows how absolutely different all of our personalities are we are just this huge mixed bag with all these different categories and like the amount of variation that can be from person to person is like so amazing to yeah me. It's, it's but very... again with the whole personality type thing it's just the human nature of wanting to label people so it's easier to understand them and like even if you want to say you don't judge people it's just an internal thing where it's so much easier for you if you have a basket you can put them in and like help you to understand them you know and even if you don't actually like help give you the illusion of understanding or like within the group the illusion of belonging just because like mm-hmm. share this with other people kind of thing so if any Enneagram 7s are out there, shout out. I hope you're doing well in this year of no travel and much pain. Thank you for listening. <laughs> and if you are an Enneagram 3 wing 2 and you're struggling with your lack of achievement and how others see you during your downtime of this pandemic, I see and feel you. <laughs> so now we're going to bring up love languages. So the love languages is a really fun one. And I think that this is a newer one that I feel like love languages have been kind of talked about in the last five years. I feel like it's been like a new at least for me, it never really was on my radar before that. And like my parents didn't know about it. And mm-hmm. after that came up, I had them take it. And I was like, you guys should do this to like understand each other and your marriage. Cause I mean, it's really important. So love languages, if you don't know, there are five love languages and it's how you give love and how you want to receive love. And not everyone shares love in the same way. So the five different love languages are physical touch, words of affirmation, acts of service, quality time, and thoughtful gifts. Those are the five love languages. And each one, oftentimes, like unknowingly, you give the love language that you wish to receive. For example, if your top love language is words of affirmation, you might find yourself uh, leaving little notes for your partner around the house, like, hi, you're so cute today, or like a note in their lunchbox. Or you might say, oh, wow, I've noticed that you... uh, you worked really hard today on your um, on your schoolwork. I'm really proud of you. Or you might go out of your way to say those words and like go out of your way to affirm them. Mm-hmm. And deep down, that's what you wish someone would say to you to express their love. Or for me, one of my love languages is thoughtful gifts. And I struggled with this one for myself for a while. I like didn't want this to be one of them <laughs> because I, I feel like people will judge me and think it's that I'm materialistic, but that's not Where's what my it, Tiffany box. <laughs> but that's not what it means. Like to me, someone being like, oh, um, I know you had a rough day and you love pad thai. So I picked you up some pad thai noodles on the way home. To me, like that's a thoughtful gift that like means so much to me. Or like I saw this random buttercup on the side of the road. So I stopped and I brought it home for you. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. For some reason, that just it hits a chord in me that I can't turn off. It's just something that I love. So and I, I realize my- now when, 
like you were so much more into souvenirs and getting gifts for people like whenever you went somewhere and yeah. I never even like thought about that as a love language kind of thing I was like oh Sierra just likes little trinkets from random places but it, it is like a symbol of thinking of someone exactly which for me, it just never crosses my mind like all of my friends probably never got souvenirs because I was like why would I spend money on this random trinket from a place like I would just go tell them and hang out with them and tell them about exactly my trip. yeah do you know in the fifth grade I um made a Christmas present for everyone in my class Oh, you're crazy. Like, well, I just, I... <laughs> Meanwhile, me, quality time is my love language. So I showed up to class for once and I was like, hello, everyone. My presence is your gift. <laughs> my gift is your presence. Your presence is my gift. Um, but I just noticed and I finally had to like understand that for myself. Why did I keep giving gifts to people? Like <laughs> I would keep going out of my way to like pick up random things or like surprise them on the way home or like, you know, I put so much thought into birthday gifts and like um special occasions like I love making people's birthdays special and like mm -hmm. if someone mentions something that they like in November and their birthday's in July I will write it down and then I will get it for them and like or I'll make it myself and I'll spend like 16 hours creating this elaborate thing when maybe what they'd prefer for their birthday is for you to just spend the entire day with them doing mm -hmm. their favorite things and they yeah. wouldn't necessarily the gift wouldn't mean as much but and again and so I just I feel like you always give what you deep down want to receive and that's a really great way to understand your love language because I took the quiz and when I took the quiz um I didn't get I didn't get thoughtful gifts and I think that's because I was not being honest with myself mm -hmm. and I didn't like the wording of it it was like uh select like yes or or uh strongly agree or not at all agree I love it when my significant other presents me with a big beautiful bouquet of red roses on their way home from work and I'm like ew like no like Too that's specific. so it's so grandiose too. Like I'm mm -hmm. much more into like little thoughtful things. Like again, like this flower reminded me of you or, oh, I noticed that you, um, your glasses are, um, crooked. Like I brought you home a glasses repair kit on the way home. That's like, also just... kind of, I feel like it overlaps a lot with acts of service though. It can. Because the yeah, act it... of getting something for someone is also an act of service. You know what I mean? And that's totally, um, but I'm just saying, if you take the love languages quiz and you don't necessarily feel it's 100% accurate or you struggle to, the, the, the examples are too specific, think about what you do for people. If you think about that, like, oh, well, my significant other is really stressed when it's dirty, so I went and cleaned the whole house for them. That's an act of service. Mm -hmm. Or like, oh, I just, I put my phone away for two hours and just sat with them on the couch while we read together. That's, you know, what I did for them. That might be, you really like quality time. Um, but I think that this love language is such a great way if you're in a, especially in a romantic relationship, but also with your friends too, and your parents and your family, it just helps you to understand that sometimes you need to give what they're looking for. And you have to go out of your way because it's not in your nature to want to like do that, to show your love. And it's not necessarily about like, what you want to receive always it's more just like what you recognize as caring for someone and like subconsciously you doing something means that you care for them but they might not see it like that because that's not their love language so it's not that like you want that explicitly but exactly just that that's how you see it like you're and some of yeah some of my friends have expressed to me that like when i that they don't like gifts and that if i give them gifts that they often feel that like, oh, they didn't get me one back or that now right. they owe me something. And I would never see it that way. To me, if I brought someone a gift, it's a gift. It's that's it. It's no not like a... Attached. It's no, it's no tits. For, not, no tits. No. <laughs> it's no tits. I did not I buy you say, tits for your gift this year. I'm sorry. It's not tit for tat is what I meant to say. It's not titties or tattoos. Neither of the above. <laughs> um, but 
I that's how I see it again and they don't always see it that way but if I'm noticing that like my boyfriend who is very big into words of affirmation I've noticed he will give me a lot of words of affirmation and I get uncomfortable sometimes I'm yeah. like oh this is too much like it's like oh you're so beautiful oh you're so smart hey like I love the way you do this and this like and I think that's so thoughtful but for me it's not one of my love languages sometimes it makes me overwhelmed mm-hmm. you know because it's not something I feel like oh my god like am I and supposed to say back to like yeah. you're also so beautiful ah like it's <laughs> um but then I also recognize he's giving me a lot of words of affirmation he probably would like some words of affirmation let me make a better effort to give more words of affirmation so yeah. anyway I've been talking a lot but I want to give one quick story on how this applies in the real world um before we move on to your thoughts on this um But my example was with um, Jason's wisdom teeth and mashed potatoes. And we actually got in a um, a fight about it. And I did ask his permission to tell the story. And he said it was okay. Um, So pretty much what happened is Jason got his wisdom teeth out last year. And when when I got my wisdom teeth out, what my mom did for me is she, like, brought me smoothies. She homemade soup and mashed potatoes, all these things I could eat. Because it's really hard to eat when you get your wisdom teeth out. If you've had them out, you know. It's like your mouth is swollen and painful for weeks. So my first thought when Jason came home... You don't have them? No, they I was don't born exist without in them. Your I'm more evolved. You lucky bitch. Um, <laughs> saved thousands of dollars in weeks slash months of pain having to squeegee a water thingy in your mouth. Anyway, yeah, I hate pain. So. <laughs> yeah. I love travel and I hate pain. Uh, what was the quote? Was that it? Yeah. Or, I love traveling and hate pain. Um, so uh, what happened was he came home from the hospital with the wisdom teeth out and he was like all groggy on the couch feeling miserable. And so I got him comfortable, whatever. And then my first thought was, oh, I haven't had a chance to go to the store today. Let me leave and go to the store and I'm going to get him a milkshake at Habit Burger. I'm going to go and get um, stuff to make mashed potatoes at the grocery store. And then I'm going to come back and make all these things. And that will be me being such a caring girlfriend because that's how you take care of someone who got their wisdom teeth out. Mm-hmm. So he was all groggy and whatever. And I was gone probably an hour and I came back and he was kind of like upset when I got home. And he was like, where have you been? Like what? Like, and he was all like drugged out and like his teeth are all swollen. And I was <laughs> just like, face. oh, well, I was getting you a milkshake and I like set it down. And he was like, oh, thanks, I guess. And then like I went to start making the mashed potatoes, but I was in the kitchen. I was in the other room. And so he was in the living room by himself. And uh so I was making the mashed potatoes or whatever, and then eventually, like, I made them and I brought them to him, and he was just, like, not, like, thankful. He was just, like, not into it. And I, I was like, what's the matter? And he was like, well, I just, like, I feel very upset. I feel like, I feel like I just got my wisdom teeth out, and I'm, like, in a lot of pain, and you've, like, you haven't been here. Mm-hmm. Like, you haven't been here for me, and I'm, like, in a lot of pain. And I was like, well, what do you mean? Like, I left because I wanted to go like make you these foods and get you a milkshake and like do all these things for you. And he was like, well, did I ask you to do that? And I was like, no. And I was like, he was like, all I wanted for was you to like, just sit on the couch with me while I feel shitty. And I was like, oh, poor and I was just like, and then I felt terrible because I was like, well, I wasn't trying to abandon you. I was just doing what I thought would comfort you mm-hmm. and what I thought would make you feel cared about. And he was like, I would have so much rather you not get me anything and we just sit on the couch and watch a movie because I just don't want to be by myself while I feel bad. Like, I would rather have you here with me. And I like, and it was just like, we ended up having a con, and it took us a while to get to that like level of conversation because at first it was like an argument. Well, like, what, you know, why did you leave? Well, I did, I went to do this and like, well, I don't understand. Why aren't you grateful for my mashed potatoes? Well, I didn't want your mashed potatoes. Like, anyway, it was just like this whole thing. So it did just, throw we mashed came- potatoes at you? No, never. That would have made it much more um, exciting. <laughs> but we got down to it in the end is that I was trying to give love with a thoughtful gift. 
slash mm-hmm. an act of service. And he wanted quality time. And that's what it came down to is that I was not giving quality time. So he did not feel cared about and he didn't receive my gift nicely or happily. And so I felt like he didn't appreciate me. Yeah. So anyway, it just kind of came down to like, I have to understand that like, if you're, if there's a love language that you want and something you need, you should communicate that to your partner. And if there's something that you are getting hints from them, that's what they need. Try to think of them first and not yourself and be like, okay, well, I know this is what I would want, but that doesn't mean it's what I should give to them. So that's my two cents on that. And I feel like since I have understood that, and I know my parents have said that since they've understood that, it's definitely helped them with communication as well. So um, if you haven't looked into that with your significant other or your friends, it's definitely worth thinking about. Yeah. I wonder what my parents are. I don't think I ever asked them to take the test, but I'm just trying to think. I feel like my moms would be like, words of affirmation maybe like she's always texting me uh, maybe that's just a mom thing I feel like it's hard with moms because they do everything you know what I mean they do like, they care they really in every do. possible way um, they give you gifts they give you their time they give you acts of service they, they give, give you their words freaking of affirmation. life yeah exactly um, and like Sophie told me one of hers is physical touch is that like whenever she goes to comfort someone or be there for someone she was like holding their hand or like touching their arm or giving hugs or wanting to like touch while you're sitting on the couch but also like some people think when you say physical touch starts like sexual but it's more just like casually like people feel like if someone's not like casually like putting an arm on their leg or something that it means they don't care about them if that's their love language you know what I mean yeah it's like they'll feel offended if people are like withdrawing from them when in reality you just like have different love languages um right and everyone's like level of what touch is comfortable to them depending on the relationship is also different like some people get like weird about it and stuff so what are your love languages Christy my number one is hands down quality time. That's like the most important thing to me. I don't necessarily, yeah, I feel like words of affirmation, like I would get annoyed with if someone was just like constantly like telling me things and I don't take compliments well. Um, mm-hmm. So like you said, like, it's just kind of like, I don't know what to do with this. Why are you telling me this? Um, and I don't know. I just feel like with quality time, it just, the way people spend their time shows what they value in life totally. in general. Like if something is important to you, you will show up and you will make time for it. And I think that's why I'm so terrible and hate texting is because I feel like it's a cop out of people trying to make you feel like you're important because you're like, oh, I'm texting you all the time. Like we're in contact. But for me, it's like, this isn't quality time. This is like shitty time that you took five seconds typing something. Mm-hmm. When in reality, I'd much rather, instead of spending all this time texting you, I'd much rather like hang out and get dinner and like, do nothing for an hour like go on random adventures that don't cost money and that kind of time like fun irreplaceable kind of time so that's my number one love language i think one of the other ones is i don't remember did they do like secondary ones in that test they did yeah yeah so the secondary would either be the touch acts of service words or um thoughtful gifts interesting i do think that one of them it's definitely not gifts gifts was like my last one if someone you cared about like your best friend like their birthday was coming up what would be your first thought of the thing to do for them go and surprise them and hang out with them on their birthday that's quality time to me and that's like what i do on your birthday is just show up every year somehow (laughs) but i I just think it's so overwhelmingly quality time that it's like i don't even need a secondary one (laughs) because i'd so much rather just spend time with someone than any of those personally but that is just me. But again, it's also like just being so busy, you value your time so much more. So it's like for me, if someone makes time for me in their busy schedule, it means so much more than them like sending me something or like, you know, dropping off a book at my house or something like that's cute. But I'd rather they just hung out with me, basically. Totally. 
And that's the thing about thoughtful gifts is I hate non-thoughtful gifts. And I think that like is exacerbated by the liking thoughtful gifts that if someone just like gets me a random, like, I don't know, nail polish pack that's like colors I don't even like, you know, then I would be like colors I never wear, things that like aren't my personality. I would be like, you literally just picked this up on your way over here because you felt like you needed a gift. It would be better if you just hung out with me and didn't bring anything, you know, like that's That's key. And I'm not trying to say that I'm ungrateful for that, but I can see it a mile away versus if someone's like, oh, I know you've been really into Russian literature lately. So I picked up this uh, book understanding like Anna Karenina and like, here's this and that. And I was like, oh my God, that is so thoughtful. Yeah. Like, you know. And I'm that way too. Like I hate the pressure of getting people gifts for a specific day or holiday because I like getting people gifts when I see them randomly. Like I'd rather buy you a special you know, book, like when you gave me that Kurt Vonnegut book that your Hmm. mom found that he had like signed when she met him in New York, that was so special and thoughtful. And that was just a random, you mailed that to me like in January or something. Like it wasn't a holiday. It wasn't a birthday. It was just random because it made you think of me. Yeah, exactly. I think I discovered it in January Mm -hmm. at her house. And I was like, late, late, late Christmas, New Year's, happy (laughs) Kwanzaa. Here you go. But yeah, Um, that's the thing. Like, I'd rather it be an actual gift at a random time than a half-assed gift at an expected time kind of thing. Totally. Then again, you have to adhere to some social norms. And I do like getting my family Christmas gifts, even if they're two days before. But yeah, Yeah. that's... um, very explanatory of our love languages. It tells you so much about people and what you can expect from them and why they might not be, you know, it doesn't mean what they're doing that they don't care about you, but it's just that you have a different idea of care generally. So it's very helpful in your interactions. Okay, so we were going to talk about Zodiac in here, but we went so far into the other personality types. So I think we're going to save it for another day. But we did want to just touch on it briefly because we mentioned it earlier. I don't know. I've always loved Zodiac. I used to read the Zodiac in the paper when I was a kid. And if it was a good one that I liked and it and adhered to what I was hoping for, I would I would acknowledge it. And then if it was something that I didn't like, I would be like, ah, Zodiac is a bunch of hogwash. So I think it's just like, I don't necessarily see it as the end all and be all, but I think compatibility is really interesting to read about. And I think it's so fun that Christy and I are both Geminis. And like we said earlier, kind of encompass the Venn diagram of all the uh, different sides of Gemini. Yeah. For me, I just can't fully get behind it because I just don't think when you're born can determine your personality but at the same time like I identify so much with mine so it's like hypocritical for me to be like it means nothing but I just in theory there's just not enough logic there for me to like 100% believe it so I can definitely identify as Gemini but I'm not going to go and read my horoscope and be like okay what's going to happen to me on Tuesday October 14th because I was born on May 29th 1995 in this area of the world you know what I mean so I don't necessarily read like those kind of horoscopes of what is it's like going the app to happen. that everyone is doing co-star co-star i have co-star yeah. and i i do read them sometimes because i just find it interesting but i just don't like make plans around that or anything just really quick before we get to the polls i'm going to read the positive and negative traits of gemini's and we'll see how they fit both sierra and i positive traits are they're flexible outgoing funny enthusiastic smart and versatile which i think goes for both of us don't you think yeah Definitely. And then negative traits are superficial, backstabber, lack of direction, bad decision-making skills, and anxious. For me, I don't think I'm superficial. I don't think I'm a backstabber. I've I've struggled with both of those in my past. I'm Um, getting better at them, but I've definitely struggled with those. Lack of direction, I could see. And bad decision-making, yes. I definitely am not good at making decisions, but I'm not anxious. That's what's really interesting, Christy, is that 
I feel like none of those traits correlate with your values. I feel like Myers Briggs. It's just when you're born. <laughs> right. No, no, no. But I'm saying even those traits, like they didn't say believes in XYZ as right. a Gemini trait. It's just they're very behavioral exactly which is why i feel like you and i can both be gemini's but also be very different like in our in our myers-briggs or in some of our values is because the gemini traits encompass our behavioral things that are extremely similar similar but our values and other things of our makeup are very different so it's kind of like they're almost in different subcategories that like yeah that's true they, they all overlap differently and i never really thought about that till now because none of those things you said are values based which again i feel like myers-briggs is very values based right because it's like how you think and how you interact with the world, whereas Zodiac doesn't really get to that. Okay, so getting to some of the polls that we asked, I posted these on at Fingers Cross Pod, and I just asked a few questions just to get a sense of like how you guys saw these different personality types in Zodiac. The first one was just simply, do you think your astrological sign is accurate? Yes or no? And it was a poll. 70% of people said yes, and 30% said no. So I, I'm pretty sure that's, like, what I had guessed, don't you think? Yeah. That, like, 70-ish, two-thirds would say that it was accurate. Mm-hmm. Not much to read into there. Um, the next one was, what's your Enneagram number? And this one's hard because it was just, like, a responding to a question box, so they're all just, like, written separately. I'm seeing a lot of threes and twos, like Sierra. Basically, all of our listeners are just like Sierra. Um hey. hey. I haven't seen any sevens. There's a few nines and eights. There's one seven. Shout out, girl. Yeah. Radisson. Two and nine. Those are very different. Seven, six, eight. I haven't seen any fives or like sixes, hardly. Okay, so for the Myers-Briggs question, I didn't do it for like each 16 just because of the structure of the polls. That would be like very difficult to put on Instagram. So I just grouped them in the two middle letters like NF, NT, SF, or ST. And like I said earlier... 250 people are NF, and the rest of them were, like, single digits. Like, the next one after that was SF. So, most of the, that correlates, like, most people or women are thinkers. Or, or, God, mm-hmm. That backs up that a lot of women are feelers, because most of our followers are women. Um, so, it's 250 are NF, like Sierra. And then 90 were SF. So, that's the next closest to NF, hmm. was NSF, and that's, like, a big difference. And then after that, it was NT, which is mine, at 66, and the last one was ST at 45. So... Interesting. Yeah, it's just a big difference of NF. I wonder if that's just, like, the kind of people that, like, listen to our podcast or the types of people that... um are interested in, like, our content or whatever are... Yeah, that are, resonate with us more. ...are similar to... Us. Which makes sense because, like, most of my friends are NFs. Yeah. <laughs> so that's just, like, who vibes with me better, I guess. And yeah. you, because you are an NF. Okay. And then I asked also, what is the most accurate personality test? Someone says, BuzzFeed picks a breakfast buffet and will guess your height and age. <laughs> Amazing. I want to take We should take it. that. Alrighty. Well, thank you so much for listening to all of our ramblings about personality types and Enneagrams and Myers-Briggs and love languages and all that good stuff that helps you understand who you truly are on the inside. Um, We have had so much fun making this and we are really excited for this episode. And again, we could talk about this stuff for literal hours. So it is highly likely that there will be a personality types part two coming at some point in our podcast journey. But until then... I think it's so funny when we get to the end of the episode because Sierra always goes into radio host mode. She's like, thank you so much for tuning in, kids. Well, you can call us on our hotline. 
1-800-FINGERS-CROSSED. Oh my God, imagine if we had a hotline. That'd be fun. We should I would love that. it. But um, yes, definitely subscribe to the podcast if you're not already. Go hit that subscribe button on whatever platform you are currently listening on. If you're on Apple Podcasts, however, we would love if you would drop down and give us a rating. It takes two seconds just to click five stars. And you, you can write a review if you'd want. Yeah, we, we won't complain. We will be very happy to take your reviews and hear your feedback. And but we do read so through all of them. When you guys send reviews and on our Instagram, we read through everything. So we are very and it thorough. makes us so happy. So, so we're so happy. Thank you so much for listening. If you tuned into this entire episode, shout out. Honestly, if you made it this far into it and listened to us rambling about how much we love personality tests, then you probably like us enough to give us five stars. I'm just gonna, you know, insinuate. So give us rating. Thank you guys so much. We love you guys and we cannot wait to see you guys with another fun episode next Tuesday. So until then, keep your fingers crossed. Bye. Bye.